Well, good morning, Living Word. Welcome and, and thanks so much for, for being here today. We are uh, heading right back into the, that odd book at the end of your Bible called Revelation. And a little bit of recap as you're turning there. And, and reminder there too, there's, um, there's Bibles in a seat near you. And so if you want to grab one, this is an easy one to find. It's the last book in the Bible. And so if you want to follow along, you certainly can. A little recap though. Um, Week one, Pastor Dave and I uh, kind of did an intro together, entering into this book with faith, not fear. Reminder of kind of that there's good news in this book, good news in a book about the end times. And then week uh, two, I preached on, on the seven churches and reminded us of what can happen if we ever move on from the Word of God. And then week three, last week, Dave spoke about kind of the, the Lamb of God, the blood of the Lamb, and the, the, the kind of the paradoxes of Jesus, right, of being... And, you know, we, we're washed in, in the blood of the lamb, like the, the lamb's blood removes stains and the sheep's actually our shepherd. He's a lion and a lamb. All these things of describing Christ this, 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 in this vision as John is exiled on the island of Patmos as he's just trying to kind of describe all that he sees in this vision. And that's what this book is, a, a vision, a revelation about um, the end of all things. And so um, as we kind of dive in today, we're going to be in chapter 7, chapter 7, and uh, just a, a reminder in addition to, to kind of our, our setup here, uh, if you're new to the Bible, um, just know that Revelation is not a good place to start. That's not where I would ever uh, recommend you start. So if you're new to the Bible and, and you're, this is sometimes, you maybe haven't opened it for a long time or you're just, uh, maybe the first time you open it, know that not all Scripture sounds like this, Okay. This is a little out there. This might even be how you've thought about Scripture in your head, that it's hard to understand. Well, yeah, Revelations is hard to understand. It's a hard book to, to kind of grasp. It's a lot of symbolism and, and, and this, this spiritual vision that we're trying to put in physical kind of understanding. And so uh, not a good spot to start. There is a lot of the Bible that is easy to understand and does not sound like this. And so don't let it discourage you. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read uh, the majority of chapter 7 this morning. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being a God that promises his presence to us. A God that longs to use his word to bring about faith and hope and life in our own hearts and minds. And Lord, I just ask that you would um, break through the fog this morning with your word, that you would give us ears to hear you clearly this morning, that you'd give me words to speak and um, guide all that we do this morning, God. Amen. All right, chapter 7, verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree, then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. And then it goes through those 12 tribes. And then verse 9, <clears throat> After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number, 
from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. And serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to the springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Chapter 7. Chapter 7 is a big piece of where we start to get many different interpretations and theories in this book. Different things kind of point to it or start from here and they branch out from here. And I must admit that if we didn't have the rest of the Bible, that this chapter in some ways in my own heart would cause much fear, some confusion. We do, however, have 65 other books that we can draw from and understand, gain understanding from that bring clarity. So I want to first, let's draw some conclusions from the text here, and then we're going to branch out from here to other places in Scripture. At first glance, we hear that there's going to be this disaster that comes upon earth. Disaster to come to earth. But God, who's always in control, says here, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads. And so in here, we see that God seals 144,000 people. And after talking about that very concrete, specific number, John turns and sees a great multitude that he says that no one could even give a number to. No one could count or number. And they're from every nation, from all tribes, from people and languages. They're all standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And these other folks here are clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Those that are now sealed, along with those who wore white robes, washed in the blood of the Lamb, are now in the presence of God, praising Him. Those with the white robes, it goes on to say, these have been those that are washed in the blood of Jesus. And all these folks, this newly sealed and these ones wearing robes, are sheltered and they're protected in God's presence. And it says they're no longer hungry or thirsty. The Lamb, Jesus, is their shepherd, and he's guiding them to springs of living water, and he's wiping, around, wiping away every tear from their eyes. It's safe to say, as we kind of recap this chapter quickly in these verses, that it's very good to be sealed and washed in the blood of Jesus. And what can so often happen as we start reading Revelation and as we start having some confusion come in of like, what's this actually talking about it? Doubt can start creeping into our faith walk. 
And as you see that there's like, okay, there's obviously a group, these, these 144,000 that are sealed and all these great multitude that are, like, are, are going to be with God in heaven praising him. And it can kind of start leading to questions of like, well, am I sealed? I mean, am, am I good here? Am I wearing a white robe? This is where so often the book of Revelation can lead to fear, but that's not what we're going through. There's good news here in the end times, right? And so as we kind of think through this, I think it's, it's fair to kind of allow our, our, our hearts to kind, of, to kind of ask some questions. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing today as we walk through this text. That we can kind of see that being sealed is good. It, it offers protection. It offers security. And so as we kind of, are we sealed? I mean, what does that even mean to be sealed? And that's kind of where I want to start today. I want to ta- talk about being sealed by the Holy Spirit as it kind of leads to this in the text today. And I, I want to first start in Esther chapter 8 because this first question of, of before we really get into are we sealed, it's, I think it's more appropriate to ask, what does it mean to be sealed? I mean, what's kind of being talked about to be sealed by God? And Esther chapter 8, verse 8, starts to give us a little bit of an understanding here. And what this is, is, is an understanding as far as, especially in this time where John's writing this, an understanding of what a seal of a king has the authority to do. So if you want to turn to Esther chapter 8, verse 8, that's where I'm going to read from. If not, you can take notes and, and look at this later as well. But it says in Esther, Old Testament book, and by the way, if you're turning there, I'll give you a little bit of time to get there. I'll give a little aside. Esther's a great Old Testament book. If you're doing a lot of devotionals in the New Testament and you've like been enjoying it, but you kind of feel like we'd like to learn a little more about the Old Testament or like to have some of these Old Testament stories, Esther would be a fantastic place to start. It's a, it's a great story. There's so much, you see in God's faithfulness and obedience and boldness. I mean, it's, it's a great story. But here, this actually comes towards the end of the, the, the book of Esther. And it kind of tells us a little bit of what a seal means. Esther chapter 8, verse 8. But you may write as you please with regard to the Jews in the name of the king. The king's saying this. And, the seal, and seal it with the king's ring. For an edict written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. At this time, and, and even after, when there would be an edict or a declaration or some type of messaging sent out by the king, to know that 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 message was truly from the king and authentic and approved by the king, the king would seal it with his ring, often with wax, hot wax that would be dripped, and then the king would take his ring and he would press into the hot wax, wax and it would be sealed. And when people would see that document or hear a declaration being proclaimed, they would look for the authenticity. Where is this coming from? And if the king's unique ring had sealed that document, it showed that the king had approved it. The king's ring, or another name for it, signet ring, seals documents, it sanctions decrees. And people would look for that as proof that this was king approved. Proof that this was truly his will to be carried out. 
And as the king's ring would seal it, that seal, as I've said, was unique, and it showed clearly that it was the king that made that declaration. It was authoritative. You knew by the seal who that declaration belonged to. I want you to hear these words as I'm saying them. That's why I'm repeating myself a bit. With the seal, it would be known that the king had approved of this. His eyes had seen it, and it had been accepted. That is what it means to be sealed by God in a similar way. I mean, when it talks about in Revelations in this early church that 144,000 were sealed, it says, you know, a mark of their forehead, but God's alluding to this idea that this is an improved, they are accepted, that they, he's declaring something through these people. It is a mark of protection for these people. And as you hear that, and then there's with robes too, it kind of begs the question, well, it's like if this is good and God is sealing this and there's acceptance and approval behind this seal, am I sealed? I think it's a valid question to ask. And to answer that, we see this so clearly time and time again, but turn to Ephesians chapter 1. This is one of many places we get to see this. Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm just going to look at two verses in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. says, In him... You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were, what's the word there for those that have their Bible open? Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I'm going to read verse 13 again. In him you were, or in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. You were sealed. Now, I want to say this again. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you know your need of Jesus, when you call on the name of Jesus, When you believe in Jesus, He seals you with His Holy Spirit and He gives you a piece of Himself. There's so much that comes with knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's a great inheritance that comes with knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We'll read that in a second. But He gives you this and He seals you with His Holy Spirit to let you know that All that I'm promising you, I'm good for this. I'm going to actually give you a down payment in a way of all that I'm promising for you so that you know for sure that you're going to get all of this. I'm going to give you a down payment on this side of heaven, which is the Holy Spirit that I'm going to seal you with. You are marked to me mine. And here, I mean, we can read about this even in the first part of Ephesians chapter 1. I'll, read, I'll just read this quickly. You can follow along if you're there. But we get to see this as it's setting up for these verses we just read of what, what is this inheritance that we get. I mean, it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, forgiveness for our trespasses because of the riches of His grace. 
He's lavished upon us all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ, to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we've obtained an inheritance. So that those who were first hoped in Christ to the praise and glory in him, you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. He's blessed us back at verse 3. I'm kind of jumping around here because there's so many different promises in this. Verse 3, Jesus Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I mean, this is quite the declaration of what you get to receive. Redemption, forgiveness of sins, salvation, every spiritual blessing that you could possibly get, he's going to lavish upon you. I mean, that's quite the declaration. And it's certainly true because the king has sealed you with this, with this declaration over you with his Holy Spirit. And the Lord's seal on your life is no different than the seal of a king on a document before. The seal offers protection and wants to give you assurance and certainty that this is true and valid and has authority. God's seal on your life is proof uh, that the king approves you, proof that this was truly his will to be carried out over your life. And this seal is unique and shows you which king and who approves of you, and it's Jesus Christ, and he approves of you, and it's so clear because he gives you his own spirit and seals you with it. You belong to this king. I mean, Paul is consistent with talking about this idea time and time again. If, I mean, if you want to turn to, 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 to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 and 22, we see the same thing. And in, in verse 21 in, in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, it says, And it was God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts. As a guarantee. I mean, if this is true, and I'm telling you that it is, we need to be walking around as brothers and sisters in Christ, as his children, with certainty of absolute assurance that our God is good and gracious and bountiful in what he gives us. And this is only a down payment, which means there's so much more to come that he's going to give us a piece of himself now, but we're only going to get more of God and more of these gifts to come. I mean, isn't this the reason we put like down money on things is so that people can know, that sellers can know as you put down money on an object, that they can know that you're good for the rest, that you're taking this seriously. I, mean, I, I always, I mean... I think about like trying to sell things on Facebook Marketplace. I don't know if you ever try to sell things. I like buying things on Facebook Marketplace, but I hate selling things on Facebook Marketplace. You get like 900 messages about like, hey, I think I want this. And it's like, are you available tomorrow at 2? It's like, well, I'm not. And it's like selling like a turkey boy, like a little turkey boiler. And it's like brand new, you know? And it's like, they're pretty kind of spending. It's like 20 bucks. Like, I don't know. I feel like they're getting a good deal. And someone's like, you take seven. It's like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like. You know, 20 is fine, but I'm, I'm kind of sick of answering the messages, so sure, I'll take seven. And it's like, okay, I'll be there at two. I'm like, I'll leave it on my back porch. And then you come to, back with a coffee can. You come in, they're like, he didn't come pick it up. And now what do you do? You know, because now you got like nine other people that want it, but this guy supposedly said he's already taken it. And it's like, I, I'm just, I, whatever. Just, I'm going to take it to the thrift store and somebody will get an even better deal. <laughs> it's hard to deal with it. 
There's a lot of promises, a lot of like, I'll take it, or I'm good for it, or I'll buy it. You know, you never sell a house and be like, yeah, we sold our house, then they're moving in next week. It's like, wow, did you get what you want? Now I don't know what they're going to pay us. They, they said they were going to, they, they said they would buy it, so we let them move in. It's like, no. I mean, we need a little something to make sure you're good for it. This is what God gives us as he seals with his Holy Spirit. He says, I know I'm promising a lot here. I know this seems pretty out there. So why don't I give you a piece of myself? I mean, can I give you anything more valuable? I'll seal you with my Holy Spirit to let you know that I'm good for all of this. And as that Holy Spirit comes and covers your life, it starts to do transformations. And you might be in here today and feel like, well, I, I know that, do I really believe? I mean, do I, am I really sealed with the Holy Spirit? I know that, that, that God promises, but is that for me? And, and God says, well, look at your life. Again, there's going to be fruit. I mean, has other people validated things in your life? Things have changed. Have you noticed transformations in your life? Can you see the fruit of the Holy Spirit from Galatians chapter 5? You know, all these different things that we kind of see start coming together that, that God's, yeah, you have certainly been sealed with the Holy Spirit. God is up to a work with you. Have you experienced peace or joy? Has you have love filled in you? Have you exhibited love pouring out of you? Are these the things that you, you marked by your life? And, and sometimes these are hard to see in ourselves, but they're certainly even easy to see in our brothers and sisters, you know? I think back to, there's, there's movies and stuff I used to watch that sometimes I'm like, that was a really funny movie. I should watch that again. And like five minutes in, I'm like, this is trash. I can't believe I used to enjoy this. This is like making me feel uncomfortable, you know? And it's just evident that like, wow, God has changed things in my heart and mind. He has sealed me with his Holy Spirit. He's given me his Holy Spirit. There's transformations taking place. And this is something that God has promised before for centuries. We see time and time again in the Old Testament. Time and time again in the Old Testament, we see that God is, is showing us that, hey, I'm going to be pouring my spirit out on you. It's coming soon. Run short on time. I mean, I've, got, I've got four different references here. I mean, Joel chapter 2. Write these down, if you would, if, if you're a note taker and you, and you want to look at these later. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. Isaiah 44, 3. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. 19. Zechariah 12, 10. Every one of these. I mean, Ezekiel eleven 19, I'll read this one. And I will give them a, 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 a new heart, a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Isaiah 44, 3, I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. God had this plan that he's going to unite us once our sins have been washed away from the blood of the Lamb that he can now come in back into relationship and seal us with his Holy Spirit, to give him himself in a relationship, to start doing transformations from the inside out, not like the Old Testament where you're trying to transform the outside and hopefully it did something in your heart. I'm going to look a certain way. I'm going to wear certain clothes. I'm going to mark myself in certain ways. And God's like, it's not changing the heart. So I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit and seal you with my Holy Spirit to start transforming your heart so that you can come and step into the world transformed, sealed.
I don't want the book of Revelation to lead us to ask too many questions out of fear and lead us into despair of, am I sealed? Am I in, Lord, or am I out? Too often we let this book kind of do that instead of letting it remind us of these certain promises that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. As we see these words, as we see these people stand before the throne of God, we don't have to wonder, am I in or out? We can rest assured that because of Jesus Christ's work, we are in. Not to cause us to despair, but to be reminded of this certain gift that has been sealed upon us, that we are God's. So I'll close with this today because I want us to really understand this unbelievable gift of the Holy Spirit, not just because of what it does for us, but what it can do through us. As Jesus transformed the Middle East, I mean, the corner of the world where he was while he was doing ministry here, as he was doing physical healings and teachings and the forgiveness of sins, it seems like he's transforming this whole entire region And yet this man, after all of that, says to his disciples, it's actually better that I go so that the Spirit can come. It's actually better. Believe it or not, as much as I wish Jesus was in Ballotin right now, we could all just go sit around him or something, right? That'd be awesome. Jesus says, it's actually better that I'm gone and that my Spirit comes. Because not now, because of this awesome gift, there's not just one Christ walking around the world. He fills all of his children so that we can all get to be little Christs in the world. That we can all get to be and go do the work of Christ in the world through the salvation of Jesus and this awesome gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, not only do we get to have God with us, we each get to, to, to bring God to others wherever we go. You look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We see this unbelievable image. And I want us to think back to the very first part of our sermon when I talk about the, the, how the ring of the king's seal for the king's ring, how it would seal things, and that how that, when they were sealed, they would declare to the world the king's news, the authentic news of the king, the approved news of the king. And Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, says this. He says, well, first I'll read verse 5. In 2 Corinthians 5.5, because it says this again, he who has prepared us for the very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we see that again. And then go to the end of that chapter, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, and God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
Think of this idea of the ring. That today the most powerful, authoritative seal is still operating in the world and it's through you as a believer. As a son and daughter of the king, you carry his authority, his power, and his promises into the world wherever you go. He has sealed you. You are validated and accepted and have the authority to bring the ministry of reconciliation into the world. All of you, as you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, not only does it guarantee you for the inheritance that you have, that God says, I'm making a down payment so that you can have certainty in this world. I don't want you walking around with, with, with feeling like anxious or uncertain. I want to give you certainty, but I also want to make you a tool by my authoritative seal on your life so that you can bring the promises of my forgiveness and reconciliation to the world. You are a chosen people approved by God and trusted with his plans. You can walk into this world to unleash hope and blessings and answers that the world so desperately needs. God is making his appeal through you. You are the document the Lord uses to spread his decree of forgiveness throughout the land. So I'll say it one more time. We cannot let this book of Revelation cause fear or the idea of end times drive us into anxiousness or worry. Instead, we need to continue to enter into this book with faith, letting, us remind, letting it remind all of us that there's actually good news in these words about the end times. You are sealed accepted, and sent through this awesome gift and seal of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being a God that shows up. A God that doesn't just sacrifice his son, but then also gives us himself once again through the gift of the Holy Spirit to not only transform us and bring healing in us, but also the gift of the Holy Spirit that allows us to be used as your hands and feet into the world. And God, I pray that we would walk around with certainty, the certainty that the seal brings, for you have sealed us with your Holy Spirit. Amen.